0: And now it's time for We Are Just Christians Brought to you live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie Here are your hosts this morning, Mike Smith and Gary Jones Good morning, gentlemen Good morning. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians Thanks for tuning in to the show today Thank you, Ray, for the introduction And we appreciate all of you listening in to the show We'll be on live for the next hour And uh, We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show better with your participation by calling in or texting in and i'll give you all the numbers for that all the information about that in just a moment but uh let me tell you a little bit about the show we are just christians is based on the idea that we ought to go back to just first century christianity get past all of the traditions and things that men have added to christianity over the centuries get away from some of the uh uh, what we would call them traditions or anything like that, and do away with following the secular trends of the day, whatever they may be, and just go back to the first century, what the Bible says about how to live and how to be a Christian. That includes both what we do here at the church and uh, what we do in our individual premise. Uh, We are just Christians, going back to that. And so when you call in, when we discuss a subject, we do our best to Give you a Bible answer or an answer from the Scriptures, some references that you can look up and you can check for yourself uh, in your Bible and think about and find out what the Bible says about it. That's how we're going to approach the program. So that's what it's about. We invite you to call into the show or contact us if you agree or disagree. We don't mind disagreement at all. We're certainly welcome you to call in if you disagree or you want to add something to the program or if there's just something on your mind that you'd like to talk about, something that's been bothering you or a problem you've had with churches or anything about religion or other things in your life, we'd be glad to talk with you about that. We'll try to give you as best we can at the moment a scriptural answer for you to look up and find out what the Bible says about that. So you can reach us here at We Are Just Christians at 772 340 1590. is the call-in number ray there at the station will take your call real quickly he'll patch you on to us and we'll be able to have a conversation would warn you that and it's something we have to always remember since gary and i are not professionals at this there is a little delay mandated by the laws of what they can do with a live program so we'll try not to jump all over your what you're saying and you have to understand that we're not trying to jump all over you if we overlap each other in talking. It's because of that delay. So we'll be patient with each other in that, and uh, hopefully we can understand the question that you have in mind. So it's a half-second delay. I, Ray, Ray just texted me. Okay, I thought it was a uh, uh, – you must be quick there at the station because I thought it was like a seven-second delay. Well,
1: well, it seems more like it. A seems seven, more like, like it. It seems more like two or three seconds when you're talking, but it's probably – half a second
0: and for somebody like me who's just instinctively jumping on top of people with my own brilliant comments it really messes things up so i have to change the way i'm doing things but we we do have that problem sometimes but we we ask for your patience with that and i hope that would be willing to call in we promise we're not going to get in an argument with you we're not going to embarrass you we're not baiting you to call in so we can do something odd or take advantage of you. We're just trying to have a discussion,
1: and we don't we don't we be, hate you because you disagree with well, us. Well, no, that's got and nothing to do with that, it. Uh, hope that you don't hate us because we disagree with you. But our our purpose is to go back to the scriptures in John twelve forty eight, and I, I'm going to get this in in almost every show because I think it's very important. A uh, verse that I've not encountered that people are really familiar with. Jesus is talking to Basically people who is trying to get to admit who he is, and he says, "He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day that's an important verse yes it is it is that is an extremely important verse is how we Live our daily lives and what we believe and how
0: we worship God, especially in an age which uh, that's one of the things I want to talk about this morning. If we get to it, a, a new uh, news story about generic Christians, especially in an age where people think they can kind of make up their own religion as they go along. Jesus says, oh, hold on there a second. My words will judge you in the last day. Yes, not your thoughts, the words, and not your whatever the words that
1: I have spoken will judge you in words. the last day.
0: Well, let me give you a couple of um, – got a couple of calls, but let me, we'll get to those in just a second. If you fellows will hang on there. I do want to say this. Um, the number to reach us is 772-340-1590, and you can reach us by text, two numbers. My name is Mike Schmidt, 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120 is the text number for me. You can call, text me this morning during the show next week whatever it may be and gary jones's text number is 772-260-6220 772-260-6220 that's the other voice you hear i'm mike schmidt Great. that's gary jones so just so we introduce ourselves okay well, go, go, i'm not going, sure going
1: back to that idea for just a minute mike i wanted to quote one other passage that here is in matthew 15 jesus is talking about people who are not listening to what he's saying they're they're trying to do things that he's trying to explain to them are not right. And he says, but he answered and said to them, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. It's the blind both will fall in the ditch. Right. If you follow somebody that doesn't know what Jesus says, you're both going to fall in the ditch.
0: Right. That's exactly right. Well, we got two callers on the line. We got uh, First, let's go to Jerry. And ask Ken to hang on. Jerry, how are you doing today? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you covered
2: uh, sins of omission uh, a while back. I just wonder if we could uh, reintroduce that. And what I'm wondering about is uh, cardinal sin. And a uh, person that knows what a cardinal is in, in you know, parochial, uh, you know, school system, you learn about the bishops and what a Monsignor is, and that's. One step above a priest is a Monsignor, and then Bishop, and then Cardinal. And
0: I just wonder if you could cover bo- uh, both Cardinal sin and uh, sins of omission. I'd like to listen off if That'd be okay, Mike. That'd be fine. That's that's fine. Well, uh, Jerry, give, uh, I'm not as familiar with a Cardinal sin as um, it's. I'm racking my brain just for a moment to think about that.
1: Well, Mike, but, well, while you're. Th- to comment that that hierarchy in terms of teachers is not in scripture. Okay? Yes, and that
0: was the other point I was going to make
1: is it, is it is not in scripture. We do not find those priests, uh monsignors, uh so on. I, I don't even remember the order, but that's just not there. Uh the organization of the church that we see in scriptures that Basically, I think what Jesus was talking about when he says we'll judge them in the last day was not something that was prescribed in the New Testament. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's basically.
0: Well, I think that there's. um, uh, Perhaps and I I know Jerry's not on the line and I don't want to put some uh, meaning that he didn't have in mind or get to it. But I think that what I've written, a cardinal sin is just a, a very bad sin. It's used not always in a, of just the cardinals in the church, and we'll come back to that organization yeah. in a moment. But I think it's probably more venial sin is uh, what you're talking about, a venial va- a sin. And then I forgot what the other one was. Um, it's just escaping my. Uh, it's a venial sin is a lesser kind of sin. That a person can commit. And um, rather than the, uh, what's the other one for crying out loud? My brain is not working this morning. A mortal sin. Sorry, there it is. Mortal sin and venial sin are the two general kinds of sin that the Catholic Church recognizes, uh, probably going back pretty far in St. Thomas Aquinas and some others came up with this uh, distinction. And a venial sin is one that does not result in a complete separation from God or eternal damnation uh, and so forth. And so you start getting lesser sins. And then you get the other kind of sin is a mortal sin. And this sin, if you don't repent of it and go to confession, all that would cause your soul to be damned. And it involves a lot of complex theology that the Catholic Church has more or less invented about
1: that word, of grace. that word invented
0: well yes it, it's it's comes in from uh, you know all these centuries after the bible now there's this brings up a subject that's often discussed are is all sin the same and i i don't know if if in i know that in consequences especially earthly consequences i don't think all sin is the same now as far as whether an unrepentant sin would damn your soul i think that that's something i certainly am not going to tell you what sin you can commit and to be okay with god for you to commit a sin if it's a sin it's an aff- and it's certainly something you need to change and repent of and so the idea that there's some sins that aren't as bad as others you can go ahead and commit those and as long as you do a, do a couple little hail mary's you'll be fine I don't think the Bible sanctions that idea at all
1: well, I think that I think that's on purpose. I think the Bible did not define sin in in terms of degree uh in that light for that very reason uh, basically, we are to strive for what God tells us we should do now, basically, what happens after that that's part of the judgment of God, but I think it was very. Purposeful in the scriptures that God did not define those kind of things because what's the nature of man? I'm going to get as close to something that I want that's wrong without getting in the middle of it. Let me tell you A guy that was back home that my dad very rarely joked about people, but this guy and I won't mention his name, but uh, He really valued money and he ran a business there and I'm going to call him John and one of his employees talked about john you know in his he said john would not go to hell for a quarter but he would scratch around the edge trying to rake it out until he fell in (laughs) okay that's kind of the idea that we're getting here how close can i get to it without falling in and uh, well
0: i see the trouble with saying well this is not a sin but this a bad sin but this is a sin is that the bible doesn't define sin uh, for one thing only in terms of action Sin comes from a heart which is rebellious, which is as you're getting right, the point you're making in that story. It's a heart that's determined to have its own way. That's where sin comes from. And Jesus says such that all these sins are of the heart and they come out of the heart. And so for me to say, well, you can do this. It's not going to cause you to go to hell overlooks the fact that the heart behind that little sin may be just as black as the one the guy that does in ignorance some what we would call a big sin he may do that out of ignorance you little sin with a full recognition that you're just doing it because you want to do it and don't care what god says and to god which one is worse well i think the i think the second is worse a heart in rebellion is worse than a heart of ignorance although both both can condemn you and so, for the church to come along, a church to come along and say, "Well, this sin isn't that bad." Now, the other side of the coin is, on earth, some sins have far more uh, grievous consequences. In yes, particular, I,
1: I would agree. In this life, they some show sins A sins
0: worse. Of a, a, and some sins, by their very nature, show a great deal more. I um, just say they show a great deal more rebellion than other sins. Uh, when, when you look at, uh, let me see if I can, a couple of different scriptures that we'll go to. One of them is a difficult one. One is probably a little bit easier. Uh, hang on, I'm having trouble this morning. Uh, and it's not with my, it might be with my Bible program. Most likely it's with my fingers, Gary, as they try to operate this Bible program. So what he says here is, um, Oh for crying out loud, I just can't seem to find it. Um about the Pharisees, Jesus does, that uh, did in Matthew 23:23, I was right there, just couldn't find the, couldn't put my, it kept leaving the right verse. In Matthew 23, verse 23, think about this for a moment in light of a cardinal sin or venial sin, or ordinal, ordinal sin. What one do you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, you pay tithe of the mint and anise and the cumin? And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So he says, Jesus here is clear. There are weightier matters of the law. What does he mean by that? There's some things that are worse sins than others. No, what he's saying is some things encompass. A lot more of our life and our thoughts and our actions than others. Justice and mercy and faith—you certainly shouldn't leave those undone, which they were doing in their everyday life. While you count every ten leaves on a, a, a anise plant or a mint plant, you count out every tenth leaf and make sure you give that to God, and so forth. So he says there's there's a weightier matters the law because they encompass a lot more. And so it is so um, we're going to have to move on because we have another call but Jerry I will say this and we'll come back maybe if we have time today to your question about seniors and priests and so forth that uh, I think we should be concerned about our rebellious heart toward God and not trying to figure out whether the sin we're committing is just a venial sin or ordinary sin or whether what we're doing is a cardinal sin as if they make any difference. If your heart and, and your body and your and you because of that your body sins against God, it's a serious matter that needs to be corrected and repented of. And so, rather than spend our time deciding what weight value to give it, let's just decide we're going to get rid of all of it as best we can and ask God to help us do that. All right, let's move on. We'll come back to maybe some of Jerry's question later on. Ken, are you still on the phone? Yes, okay, still here. How are you? Good. good. Uh, uh, what can I do for Speak up a little bit.
2: Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I wanted to bring up uh, the subject of the Feast of Dedication. Okay. And uh, I got a scripture. It's John 10:22. Okay. So, it says here, uh, John ten twenty two, and it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. So, Feast of Dedication is
0: Hanukkah. That's what we would call at least some variation of Hanukkah. That's correct. Yeah. Right. Um, and the actual- I don't think they called it Hanukkah back then.
2: Celebration, of the Feast of
0: Tabernacles. You uh, say it's connected to the Feast of Tabernacles? Right.
2: So, uh, first of all, the reason I want to bring this up is because of what the Feast of Hanukkah is all about. It's about overcoming uh, persecution of religion by the government.
0: I don't know yes. if you haven't thought of it that way. Yes. Oh, I, Not exactly, but you're right. That's that's exactly it. That was, they were being uh, uh, persecuted and the Maccabees drove them out, rededicated the temple. Yeah. This all occurred in between the two testaments.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, historically.
2: Yeah. Uh, by the way, they, uh, they, uh, were persecuted by Antiochus Epiphanes, the Greek, who's ahead of the Greeks by time. Right. Uh, and that's a play on words. I don't know if you realize it or not. He took
0: the title uh, as God. Epiphanes would mean brightness, Epiphanies. glory, right? But Epiphanes
2: was what the Jews named him, which means crazy name.
0: Mhm. I don't know if you knew that or not. Didn't oh, I thought that. I didn't think the Jews gave... okay. So they're playing on the word of being crazy. Well, he was one of the most evil men of ancient times, from what I've been able to read about him, anyway. Yeah. 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 Uh, even even with his family. Well, let's let's set the stage a little bit. See, if, and and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, Kent. But Ken, but they. Um, in between the Testaments, the Greeks had, and the um, Greek Empire had taken over this area. They had tried to force the Jews to stop worshipping Jehovah and worship uh, false gods in the temple. They'd even offered pigs upon the altar, things like that to the temple. And the Maccabees family gathered up the people over time and And revolted against them drove them out and cleansed the temple and when then when they got things back in order they dedicated the temple but they ran out of oil to continue to let the that we're supposed to have to light the lights in the temple for seven days they ran out of oil but the little bit of oil they had left miraculously stayed full and lit the lights for the full time and so that's where this feast of dedication came from of the lighting of lights between the testaments now by the time you come to jesus time although it was not a feast of the lord as specified by jehovah the jews were keeping this as kind of like we would the fourth of july it's probably comparable to a fourth of july celebration to the jews a victory over an enemy driving out the the ones who were oppressing them a revolution and they were keeping this as a feast of dedication because they thought it was a miracle from God. And Jesus went down to Jerusalem during this time of the feast. What do you th- is that about a fair enough summary of it, or?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I want to point out the uh, the similarities here between the feast of dedication and the feast of tabernacles. Okay. Both of them are an eight-day feast. And if you turn to John chapter 7, verse 37 through
0: 39. Let's see. Seven,
2: thirty-seven 37
0: through 39?
2: Yeah. Okay. It says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink, he that believeth on me, as the scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So there was two two very uh, big events during the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. One is they had a huge menorah, like forty feet high, and that lit up the whole city. And so it was—the light was involved during this feast.
0: Also, that would go back to the lights in the temple that were miraculously continued during the during the original time of the Maccabees.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They used old priestly garments for these lights called swaddling clothes. And I don't know if you recognize that reference.
0: Yeah, so they would burn these old priestly garments to create the light. And that was the word for them was swaddling clothes. Now, we think of swaddling clothes only as a kind of cloth that they in at the Nativity, right? When he was born, a swaddling cloth. We think of a baby. Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Yes.
2: Okay. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is in, is in September. And the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, is in December. So, uh, let me talk a little bit about the water pouring ceremony the priest took water from the poor pool of Siloam. And this was a huge deal. Right? Every, 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 this is like a Super Bowl in the Feast of huh. Everybody, everybody would care for this. Where the priest would take water from the pool of Siloam and come and pour it on the altar along with the, with the sacrifice of blood from the sacrifice. Was poured on the altar. Now I don't you know if you remember, uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You must be born of water and the blood." Yes, and that was like a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles.
0: Oh, uh, it was. Well, I thought that the, that the reason that one of them is in September one de- was delayed, or was a uh, because of this persecution, it had been delayed for several months. Is that not right? I'm, I'm my brain. I'm not really getting the great detail out of it, but that's what's coming out of my memory. That was this is doing the Maccabean revolt.
2: Uh huh. Okay. And they were fighting the Greeks. You know, the piece of cabinet. So they had to, uh, till December. Okay, so what does this have to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you that Jesus was not born in December. He was born in September, but he was conceived in December. And I'm going to show you that from the scripture. I'll try to.
1: Okay.
0: Before before you even start, to, I I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's very likely from the scriptural references that I know. I don't know if they're the same ones you're going to give, Ken. That Jesus was certain was not not born in December, but he was born perhaps in September, in the middle of September, and that would have put his conception, like you say, back during this time of the Feast of Lights, whatever. Go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to give you some scriptures. And then I think just to make this a little bit shorter, I'll just concentrate on two of them. Uh, I'm going to read from Luke 1. Uh, let me uh, let me give you a first. First of all, uh, verses 5 to 9, they talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were the father and mother of John the Baptist. And uh, then in verse 26, uh, it says, And in the sixth month, that's December in the Jewish calendar, Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, and the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So this is the angel coming to Mary, to pronounce not just the birth, but her conception. And then if you go down to verse 31, this is the angel, and you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And then if you go down to verse 36, Says your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is now the sixth month with her who was called Baron. So Elizabeth is six months pregnant when the angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to get pregnant,
0: right? So, if that happened relatively soon after this angel's visit then there was about a six-month difference difference in age between John the Baptist and Jesus.
2: Right. And now if you go to to Luke chapter 2, and verse 21 and 22, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, this is Jesus being circumcised. By the way, if Jesus was born on the first day of tabernacles, this is the last day of tabernacles, where he was circumcised Okay, uh, called Jesus, which was named by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let me repeat that, and when eight days were accomplished for circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was called of the angel before he was conceived in the womb so when the angel came to Mary, it was not, it was, yeah, the his birth, but, she came before she was pregnant.
0: Okay, yeah. So that would make it a little, months. Now,
2: from December, to, Feast of Tabernacles, is nine months. Right. And, uh, if you go back to the first scriptures I told you about Zechariah, he was serving in the temple end of June to beginning of July. That was his service in the temple. was Six months from that is December when the angel came to Mary. Right. And we already read that it said she was pregnant six months already,
0: Elizabeth. So uh, one, one of the ways that you can December date this, Ken, is, is from the... I'm sorry, I must be stepping on you. Go ahead, I'll let you finish. Okay, so nine months from December is September. Yes. Which would time it up, not just with a random date in December, but with one of the major feasts of the Lord that has... Yeah. A spiritual significance for the birth of the in Messiah. You can
2: say he, in a way, you can say he was conceived on Tabernacles, or the late celebration of Tabernacles, but he was actually born on Tabernacles.
0: Yes. And of course, both of them are associated with light. With us. What's that? Well, the other thing is, and i I'm trying to look up the exact date of this, but it says there that John, or that Zacharias, John's father, was a priest of the course of Abijah, and the priests were divided up by lot, and they rotated serving one year throughout the year, and the course of Abijah was the eighth shift. Of that, and uh, you you get these um, you can get some dates as far as that's concerned. So you know that what general time that this co- ro- this rotation was taking place. And I'm trying to double check my memory on that, but that puts the w- when you do that. When you look at when Zachariah would have been serving in the temple, that it, it I, given for this reason, that statement was made to give you a general time period on that—not a day, but a general time for for it—that the eighth course was um, uh, uh, somebody says it cost, I think something along that line. You, you have a time you could go forward for six months, and you do come up with sometime around September. So these the, the Bible doesn't give a date, but by giving you this general statement about the age difference between the two, and when Zechariah heard the angel came and heard the angel speak to him, and so forth, you get a general idea. And I think it's significant that but all these things are connected with light. We don't have any record of there being any kind of December 25th birthday of Christ. That date as a celebration of Christ is completely put out centuries after Christ was born and has partly a pagan origin, not entirely, but partly a pagan background for picking those days in December. The people that originally calculated December 25th were not looking at these scriptures to come up with that date. They were looking at Roman festivals to come up with that date, pagan festivals to come up with the date of December, not what the scriptures say. And so uh, I tend to think that the birth of Christ and all and the major events of Christ's life probably did center around these feasts of the Lord as outlined in the Old Testament. Uh, And, of course, Hanukkah is not one of them. But the ironic thing about that, Ken, is that Hanukkah is in the Bible and Christmas is not in the Bible. What do you think about that statement?
2: Well, Christmas is in the Bible in, in, the, in, the, in the sense that it's of speak, the
0: cabbal. Well, yes, but it's not called Christmas, and it's not the birth. It's not well. kept as the birth of Christ. Yes, but I, and um, and the Feast of Dedication okay. is what's called. In the, so yes, I'm, I'm kind of fudging on both of those accounts. But the idea of keeping the Feast of Lights that the Jews did, uh, that's it. that's a feast that Jesus even went to in John 10 that you mentioned. And yet there's no mention of any of keeping any holiday called Christmas in the Bible. E- even if we can establish, as you, I think, have done a you know pretty good job of showing you, it's probably in September around this other feast, we still don't have any direction to celebrate or to keep customs to to instigate or or, um, initiate regarding that in the bible there's just nothing there about it and so the date is left uncertain and certainly there's no instruction about how to keep it or celebrate it now go ahead You're, you're, you're talking about christmas i'm talking about christmas yes And of course, uh, the the only way that the only way that Christians are to keep the feast of the Lord in the Old Testament is as they are revealed events in the life of Christ or in the Gospels. So I don't really keep the feast of Pentecost. I understand that that's the fulfillment uh, in Acts 2 of the gathering of the nations by the preaching of the gospel. And that's the harvest feast, the end gathering in the Old Testament, for example. And the Passover has been fulfilled in Christ's blood so that when I am saved by Christ's blood and continue to rely on his blood for my forgiveness, I'm in in essence keeping the Passover. But Mm -hmm. I don't have any instructions from God to keep a a yearly Passover today. But I do. But on the other side, too many Christians completely dismiss those. The significance of those feasts, that they are a part of the life of Christ and of the gospel.
1: Well, we have a hard time understanding what Paul says about, or what the Hebrew writer says about the things, these are a shadow of the things to come, basically. Right. Uh, basically, they looked forward to a spiritual aspect of these things taken from that Old Testament physical uh, approach to those celebrating those holidays. Right. Uh, we we misunderstand that. I think there's a lot more to this than than we even currently understand. But it goes back to that idea of it's connected to light. The New Testament connects Jesus to light. And what does it mean by connecting him to light? What is the light? Why We're living is he water. the light? Water. We we need to come back to those things. Those are the Word of God. Just like he says, I am the light of the world. He says, you know, a living spring is going to come. What are those things? That's the word of God. The word of God has to be embedded in you to be part of that. And that's I keep coming back to the John twelve forty eight again. It's the reason it's important that we
0: understand the word from the scripture. Right. Um, before you finish up here, Ken, let me just take a couple of texts that have come in um, from a John text in. Uh, about this oil in the temple that I mentioned. There was plenty of oil, but not oil in the process of being purified. That's correct. So in the sense of oil that could be used in those lamps, no, there wasn't any oil uh, that could be used. They didn't want to defile it again by using oil that had not been uh, properly purified. He says, regarding uh, the birth of Christ, shepherds were in the field, so there was grass. Yes, and, and that would probably not be in the month that we call December, in palestine right every mother probably thought their son would be the messiah there were many babies born the same day as jesus and and that's probably true although in a small village of bethlehem probably probably not not very many because it was very small village not very many that were born that day jesus was a jew and followed the torah that's right he didn't break the law that doesn't mean that that uh he didn't tell his a disciples and say to them but i say unto you this this and this and demand that they follow his will from the time of his resurrection he the apostles taught that we ought to follow jesus will and not moses as such the fact they got in a lot of trouble for saying that moses that jesus had come to fulfill moses law so yes jesus was a jew and kept it that's what's always puzzled me about anti-semitism I understand that it comes from the idea that, well, Jews killed Jesus. Well, Romans killed Jesus, too. Um, but, but Jesus and the apostles were Jews, so it's pretty difficult to hate all Jews if you're thinking clearly. The Bible never teaches any such thing. And the persecution of the Jews by the Catholic Church or others or the hatred of the Jews today by many people, even those who call themselves Christians, is despicable. Uh, people are enemies of God. You see,
1: and it's, on an and, indivi- and, and, it's on an individual basis. It's not and, on. A-
0: and here's the other thing that's misunderstood. When you're yes, yeah. Gary, that's correct. I interrupt you there. But when you look in the scriptures, you, you will see. And, and it, I, it's not it's beyond the scope of what we're doing right this morning. But in particular, in the book of John, you'll see this phrase: "The Jews, the Jews did this, the Jews did that." But you'll notice if it's how it's being used. That there's a distinction between, quote, the Jews and the common people. What were the common people? From where we're sitting, they were Jews, too, weren't they? Yes. They weren't Gentiles. They were Jews, too. But the word Jews in the New Testament often, very often, means the leaders, the elite of the Jews, the scribes and Pharisees. It doesn't mean the common people just walking around who were Jewish. It's a term for the elite people of the Jews. And so, yes, those people crucified Christ, the rulers, the rulers, crucified Christ. And yet the Jew and and when you get to the book of Romans, you see that the Jew and the Gentile put Christ to death. When you get when you go to Acts chapter two, Peter says to the Jews on that day and the common people that by the hands of lawless men, that's the Romans men without the law of lawless men you crucified and slayed him so there was two groups of people the the jews did it by the hand of the romans that's who put christ to death so both jew and gentile were represented as the murderers of christ in the new testament
1: now let's not lose sight of the fact that those rulers could incite the people did in many cases to do the wrong
0: thing well co- and, and common people followed that's the yes, point yes yeah, so i'm not to excuse them either but I am saying that sometimes it's easier to say, well, the, the, in the New Testament you read the Jews did this. Well he's talking about, the leaders of the Jews? Just look at the context, and you'll see the contrast that's being made in many of those scriptures. All right, Ken, for a moment, uh, finish up what you want to say or, or continue with your point. Um, well, I, I'm, you I probably just, don't even know where you are now since I've been talking so much.
2: Yeah, um, um, I just thought just to emphasize uh, about uh, when we got we've got Christmas coming up and Hanukkah uh-huh. and I think it's a good thing to remember that what Hanukkah is all about and, and about celebrate about celebrating being delivered from persecution by the government.
0: Yes, and it definitely was. I would say it's probably interesting that probably Hanukkah and in Jesus' time, the lifting up of this big menorah lit up and let, trying to light up the city, it, in, in their mind was very much similar to our 4th of July celebration here in the United States. And that is that um, they lit up the city in a way that, that was illuminating and they celebrated their freedom from Antiochus Epiphanes, and the Syrian Jews, and we have in our country the custom that goes along with it. In the original history, you have the bombs uh, over Fort McHenry, the rocket's red glare, even though that goes back to the War of uh, 1812. But you have this rocket's red glare, and then you have the setting off of fireworks. Uh, Wasn't it John Adams who said that this Independence Day should be remembered henceforth with celebrations of fireworks and displays of light i think that's one of the things the original fathers founding fathers said and so we continue that today just like today the jews remember this lighting of the of the oil in the temple and the liberation as it were from oppressive authorities to with, with the lighting of menorah and and um, yes they were delivered from their political enemies but were all, they were also the enemies of their religion. And unfortunately, maybe this is a point you're getting at, Ken, I'm, unfortunately, you you may call me crazy, but I see a parallel that today uh, it seems states and many of the sub-officials in various levels of government have set themselves against Christians, particularly fundamental bible believing christians who don't accept, you know, uh, a lot of the more progressive ideas in christianity. They've set themselves against people who believe the bible. And so the political authorities have set themselves against the religious people oftentimes. And so when I oppose the when I oppose people on religious grounds, some people would assume that I'm Making them me, and, and that's a mistake that I, I've been accused of. That well, you're just talking about politics. No, I'm talking about religion. It's not, it really isn't my problem, my fault that the political uh, people in our society have turned religious issues into political issues, and they forced people to deal with politics. It didn't used to be that way in my lifetime. I don't know if I remember when it wasn't that way politicians steered clear of interfering with people's religions but now the religion of the state is the most important religion in the country to most people you've got to bow down before caesar you got to bow down before the cdc you got to bow down before osha you got to bow down before the environmental protection agency you've got to bow down all the way through and if you don't anybody if anybody shows any reluctance to bow down, they are accused of being an enemy of the state. Now, this is not the way it should yeah. be. Yeah. I hate it being that way. But it's becoming more and more pronounced, and I don't think it's going to let up anytime soon. Uh, if you oppose abortion, you're considered a political enemy of the state. If you oppose critical race theory, it just grounds it. It's not teaching what the Bible teaches you're about the equality of all religions. You become a state. Domestic terrorist, because I don't believe the critical race theory represents what the Bible teaches about the human race and that they're all of one blood doesn't represent that. So I would oppose that being taught to my children as if it's the only system of thought. But that makes me a domestic terrorist, according to some people. Now you got me really ranting, Ken.
1: Well, But, but this,
0: is the, this is the problem. And I, I'm not trying to make you take a side on many of those. I'm just trying to point out that it doesn't have to be that way. And the Jews were forced. For Hang on a second, Gary. It was one thing for the Greeks to rule over Judea and have political authority over Judea. But when they went into the temple and sacrificed pigs, they shouldn't have been surprised when the Jewish people revolted against that. They had just turned a political domination of political government into a religious persecution. they faced opposition. This is what is strangely happening in some parts of the United States today. Go ahead Gary, I cut you off there.
1: Well, I was just going to change the subject for a minute. I keep wanting to go back to, well, what, what is all this symbolism about? What What's the value in, in looking at these things and looking at the connections? And the connections are, are based in what Jesus spoke about he spoke about his word he spoke about his word being water living water he spoke about his word being light he spoke about his word being these things and and particularly john john the gospel of john is one that points to that you know very directly maybe even a lot more than some of the other gospels and when we find it throughout the new testament i I was going to read a passage here that everybody thinks revelation is just the revelation of Jesus Christ to John is not understandable. And yet in the very first chapter, John sees a vision of someone standing among the lampstands. And you look at how he is described. In the middle of it, in, John, in uh, 1, chapter 15, he says, His feet were like fine brass, as if it were refined in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters he had it in the right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and watch this and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength that's not there by by accident that's light that's the sun giving light that that is this this person represented as the light of the world again in that vision this is symbolism this we see it all over the place and it is it you can understand it as that this is not I mean, this, if you physically did all these things and painted a picture of this, it would be kind of a, you know, a strange looking figure standing there to us today. But yet these things, these things come back to symbols of what and who he was. Right. Exactly. And,
0: and, a lot and that's those, the
1: value in this. That's the point I'm making. That's the value we, in this.
0: It It is. I, I want to make a uh, go a little further well, Ken, do you want to say anything about what we've said here so far before I go on another rant?
2: Uh no, I I'll just say one last thing. Uh, you won't see me today because I have another math student who's falling into the math pit. And uh, I gotta help get him out.
0: You haven't did you say you have an ox that fell into the ditch? I <laughs> I, I couldn't understand what you said. I have a math student who had to uh, take the SAT Tuesday. Oh, Uh-oh. I see. So you've you're tut- got a math student that's you're falling tutoring. in a ditch. A <laughs> yeah, math, math student's about to. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, um, uh, we appreciate Ken calling in this morning very much. Uh, I want to say this, uh, and I mentioned this. This is about politics. And I'm not trying to be political, strangely enough, here, but it sounds like I am. But I'm not trying to. I, I'm, I'm decrying the fact that this is all called politics, for example. And so when you look at – let's just take the issue that everybody talks about all the time is abortion, killing of unborn babies and and what that means. Now, that's a philosophical debate, and I understand some of the issues involved in the philosophy, and you can debate the science and the philosophy. It's become clearer and clearer in all the years since Roe v. Wade was put in, in force. It's become clearer and clearer scientifically that what we're doing when we abort a baby is taking human life. I don't think there's any way to controvert that. And many of the supporters of abortion are now coming and saying, yes, we're killing babies, we're killing humans, and we have no problem with that. Okay, that's at least a little more honest. We're killing humans, and we think it's justified. But now, when that when you have a government supporting, and not only just supporting, it would be one thing if our state governments allowed abortions Under certain circumstances, there would be people that objected to that. That's what was was going on before Roe v. Wade. But the federal government since 1973 has been actively promoting abortion in one form or another. And certain politicians and political parties are actively demanding that you support abortion with your tax dollars and, and in other ways. If you don't even philosophically support it, you become an enemy. And so Christians have a, cho- have a choice here. We can decide that, well, we're supposed to get along, and so let's just be quiet. The state's going to, you know, evil people are going to do what's evil. The state, Caesar, is going to do what Caesar does under the Romans and under the Greeks. They're going to be uh, vile and barbaric, and we understand that because we're Christians. We're, we're just going to submit to that. Or thinking that we have a Christian element in this society – we can get our government – try to imp- petition the government try to, to – isn't what's right. So you have two choices. Now what's happened is this, and I think there's a lot of Christians, Christians that aren't, don't see the consequence here. Maybe they agree with it. If you want me to be quiet about abortion and go along, then what goes along with that is me assuming that the state, the United States, the government is evil and oppressive – just like the Roman Empire was, just like other totalitarian regimes, they are against the God, they are against what's right, and I'm going to have to oppose them on that, but I'm going to treat them that way, I'm going to go back and live my life, and I'm going to have to assume that they're an evil government that's out to destroy what is good and right. That's how the early Christians viewed the Roman government. They tried to stay out of its way, lest they be crushed, but they did not consider it something that they could support so this is the choice or you go along and you say well we have a government here and it's still we still can influence our government according to our the constitution our laws we can influence our government by voting electing people by petitioning and so we can still change this if we want to and get involved well when you do that you're going to be involved in what we call politics quote unquote and as soon as you do that the secular left says, well, you're the religion, you're involved in a religion, mixing church and politics. Got plenty of people, uh, conservatives, that say, oh, you shouldn't be talking about politics. Well, the only reason we're talking about politics is because we're, we still have this idea that we have the ability and the right to petition our government to alter our government. If you want me to get out of politics, then I have to go ahead and assume that the state is the enemy of the church, is the enemy of good people, and it's going to persecute us, which they are seem to be doing more and more of. So you got you with two choices. I know I'm a black and white kind of guy, fellow uh, Gary, but you see what I'm. Does that, does that well, make any? Uh, si- what I'm uh, saying make any sense?
1: Well, it's all interconnected in the sense that what you were going to talk about early, what's a Christian worldview? Back, yes. Back when you and I were young, uh, evangelical Christians had a different worldview, I believe, than they do today, and they voted that way. And that influenced the government. Their vote is no longer an influence of this government.
0: Well, when you read the founding documents, they all were coming from the same basic place. They weren't promoting one particular Christian denomination, but they were promoting the idea of a sovereign God who controlled morality.
1: Basically, it was a Christian worldview.
0: In a a general sense, it was. It was actually a Protestant Christian worldview in a general sense. That's true. And so they were, they were not, and although they were certainly secular, they were not per se enemies of Christianity or the Bible. Now, so if you want me to get out of politics and not talk about anything that the left views as being political, then I'm going to have to take up a stance that the state is the enemy of the church, is the enemy of Christianity, and I'm going to have to live my life that way that that may, that may not please you much very much either. What they really want is for Christians to knuckle under and accept the secular left view of the world and of morality. And so we knuckle under as Christians, and I get in this pulpit, and I endorse homosexuality and transgenderism and so forth, and I knuckle under on all these other policies, abortion and others, and that, that's what they really want. They don't want me to stop talking about politics. What they want is for me to endorse their version. And that's clear because these people can go into very progressive liberal churches and the politicians can, can stand there and preach and endorse policies and endorse candidates. And nobody says a word about that. Jesse Jackson's been doing this all my lifetime. He can do all those kind of things. And yet, as soon as somebody conservative says something, then.
1: What is that ultimately? That's ultimately it's, hypocrisy.
0: It is, but so, it is. So but, but it's it, what it is is that when you promote the secular left view of the world, then you're fine, and you can talk about politics in the churches. They want you to, but when you oppose that, when you do not approve of the secular left view of society and, and issues, then you are mixing religion and politics. You become an enemy of the state. And so I guess going forward, we're going to have to decide, are we an enemy of the state or not? And if the state's our enemy, we're going to have to react a certain way to that. And just, you know, we'll have to do what the New Testament Christians did, try, try to stay out of the way and, and not be disrespectful. But that assumes that you're going to have to have a certain attitude toward the state. Well, all right. Well, I've right, we only got a couple minutes left, Gary, so well, help I'm, me wrap this up. I'm just going to say
1: it's not just the church. Basically, that attitude is everywhere within uh, basically – the media, uh, the literature that you read, all of the different communication devices that you get information on it's the same hypocrisy exists on those as well as in
0: church It's not just the church no, it's not because there's the <laughs> there's a general view of the a world view there's that's that. what I keep talking about that world view that Christian worldview again
1: right. is getting in the way and when I say
0: the church, I don't mean just what happens in this yeah. building on Sunday morning. I'm talking about the idea of the of being a Christian all the time. Uh, that's what I mean by the church. All right, well, we got a couple minutes left here. I appreciate those who have texted in, called in, and uh, I don't don't see any other calls on the line right now, but we really appreciate that. Hope you'll make it a a point to write down some questions this week or anything that uh, concerns you about that, or maybe you disagree with all this. I've been on a rant here for five minutes. Sorry about that. Uh, well what, but, what, what but were I you, mean just,
1: you uh, huh? take the last minute and summarize where you were going to go before we started taking calls because that Christian world view and its change within the what we call the Christian community loosely called the Christian community I think is a very important thing because it's gotten away from scripture.
0: Well I don't know we got about a minute left but I was going to talk about this survey from George Barnet Christian Christianity is now a generic thing and that yes, people yes. basically Christians don't have any different view than the world does
1: and it's the It's the definition of what that generic thing is. Yes, that's, that's the problem
0: We'll probably have to catch that next week yes. because I think worked our time is gone today I do want to mention a couple things.
1: Well, we got less than a minute less, left.
0: I just want to mention our website. We are just Christians We are just Christians Take a look there a lot of recordings there a lot of other information and we'd like to invite you to our services. We meet at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie, 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard, the Time corner of California in Savona. And we appreciate you being here with us this morning and hope that you'll tune in again next week. Thank you very much.
2: You've been listening to We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie with your hosts. Mike Smith and Gary Jones.